Shall we look to the Lord before we start the word this morning? Please bow your heads with me. Father, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will quicken the hearts of everyone who's listening to this message. I pray that you will give us a revelation, Lord, of why you died and rose again, Lord. I pray that this message will resonate in our hearts, Lord, bringing you life, Lord, bringing you perspective to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're living in a time where everything in this world is changing so fast. And it's good for us to know that this present world is no longer the world that God created for us. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and 2, God created us to live in a perfect world. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had no lack. God and man were perfectly united together. They had conversations with each other. They shared ideas with each other. They were one, God and man. The problem started when God gave man dominion over all the earth. Satan didn't like it. So he tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God so that he could break the union, the oneness God had with man. Adam's rebellion resulted in us living in a broken world that needs to be fixed. So the resurrection of Jesus is God's solution to fixing a broken world. The title of my message this morning is Resurrection, Integration and Collaboration. These three words sum up what the New Testament is all about. The crucifixion of Jesus was for our forgiveness, but the resurrection of Jesus is for our integration. I want you to write this down and I'll repeat it again. The crucifixion of Jesus was for our forgiveness, but the resurrection of Jesus is for our integration. When Jesus came into the world, he had one agenda, and that is to integrate or to unite God and us as it was in the beginning. The dictionary meaning of the word integrate means combine one thing with another so they become a whole. I'm going to say that again. The meaning for the word integrate means Combine one thing with another so that they become a whole. Another meaning for the word integrate is to merge or amalgamate. In John chapter 20 verse 17, the first thing Jesus told Mary Magdalene after his resurrection is to go and tell his disciples that I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Why was this message so important for Jesus to communicate to his disciples? Because Jesus wanted them to know that they are now one with God, just the way Jesus and God are one. That they too can call God their father, the way Jesus called God his father. 
Now, the problem with us having a religious mindset is that it does not allow us to think beyond the fact that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sin. We're still stuck there about Jesus' death and our forgiveness. And that's the problem with the religious mindset. But look at what Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 20 to 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe. Now the words, those who will believe, is in the future tense. Believe in, in me through their word, talking about us, talking about you and me who believe in Jesus. That they may be one as you, Father, Father are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So the resurrection of Jesus was to re-establish the divine connection God had with man. It is one thing to believe that Jesus has risen. Yes, Jesus is alive. But it is radical to think that we as mere human beings with all our shortcomings can be integrated as one with God. Though the Apostle Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples, yet he understood what it meant to be integrated as one with God. 1 Corinthians 6, 16-17 tells us, Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot, now the word joined to the harlot is talking about sexual intimacy, you become one. Now, this is what the Bible is saying. Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot submits their body to a harlot is one body with her? Become one. For the two he says shall become one flesh. Now, look at how the Bible relates that with our relationship with Christ in verse 17. But whoever, now that's you talking about me, Whoever is united with the Lord or joined with the Lord is one with Jesus in spirit. So we are connected with Jesus, one in spirit. That's the message Jesus sent out to his disciples. Jesus said to them, my God is your God. My father is your father. Same message. After resurrection, the one thing that Jesus wants us to know, that we are divinely connected with him as one. Now this meant that as we submit ourselves to the Lord, we are integrated as one with Jesus. In verse 16, it's actually making a comparison. When two people are joined or united together, the two become one. That's when they are married. The two becomes one. Same illustration, same example the, the Bible is using with regards to our relationship with the Lord. So when we are born again, we're integrated as one with God through the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 says, For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Now we all know that's referring to a marriage. Now look at how the Bible connects this same illustration, the same example with our relationship with the Lord. It says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about, about Christ and the church. So Paul was not really mentioning about a marriage. He's only comparing it with our relationship with Christ. This is a profound mystery. Why profound mystery? Because we cannot comprehend it in our logical mind. It's profound. It's mind-blowing. How can we be so one with God the way Jesus was one with the Father? The answer is simple. By faith. We believe it. We trust what Jesus has done will connect us spiritually one with God. Now let me give you another example of what the Bible, how the Bible defines our relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 to 6. The Bible says, Even when we were dead by our shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive together in fellowship and in union. If you have your Bibles open, you can underline those two words. He has made us alive. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. He has made us alive together, not only in fellowship, but also in union, also in oneness with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened Jesus. It is by grace, his favor and mercy, which we did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Verse 6, and he raised us up together with him, made us sit together giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? We can be so dead in our sin, so hopelessly gone, yet when we believe in Christ, there is a resurrection right within our spirit. Our spirit comes alive. In fellowship and in union, we become one with God. What do we have to do? Believe in what Jesus has done. Believe in his resurrection. Now, the Bible is full of metaphors that define our Christian life as one with God. In John 15, Jesus said, We are the branch and Jesus is the vine. Integrated. 2 Corinthians 4 7, we are the jars of clay, and Jesus is the treasure. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, we are the bride, Jesus is the bridegroom. 
Colossians 2.19 We are the body and Jesus is the head. It is only when the branch is integrated with the vine that the branch bears fruit. Only when a body is integrated with the head, the body can function. When the bride is united with the bridegroom, it is called a marriage. You know, many people like flirting with Jesus. They like the benefits of Jesus. They like to hang out with Jesus for all the good things that we can get. But very, very few Christians like to be connected in that deep way. To recognize the divine connection between God and man. One. One in spirit. One just like a branch in a vine. One just like the body and the head. One just like a bride and a bridegroom. This understanding of our Christian life is radically different from our religious viewpoint. Of God being up there and we being down here trying to reach God. Now, this is a torch that I'm holding in my hand. This torch can only bring forth light when the batteries are integrated together. There's the torch light. When the batteries are not there, the torch has no meaning. It has no use. In the same way, if we are not connected with Jesus, if we don't believe that we are one with Christ, that Christ is in us and we are in Christ, then we will never be the light that God has called us to be because we are disjointed from Him. Like this battery being disjointed from the torch will bring no light. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, But if the spirit of who Jesus raised from the dead dwells in you, look at the word dwells, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. How? Through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit who dwells, who lives in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit in you is the residing presence of God. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit in you is the residing presence of God. When you yield to the residing presence of the Holy Spirit in you, then the fruit of the Holy Spirit will begin to manifest through you. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. It says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now listen to me carefully. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in you 
is the evidence, is the proof that the residing presence of the Holy Spirit is in you. So it's not just saying the Holy Spirit lives in me and being satisfied. If the Holy Spirit is in you and in me, it must produce fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is only the manifestation of the evidence of his residing presence in our lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 77 verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits, not the gifts. The gifts can be very glamorous, but you will know them by their fruits. We see in verse 18 and 19, Jesus said, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree, referring to people, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits. Let me emphasize, not their gifts, but by their fruits, you will know them. So I hope I made my point that Jesus' resurrection was for our integration. And that's significant for us to hold on this resurrected resurrection morning. The second word I want to talk about is collaboration. Now the word collaboration defines the purpose of our Christian life. Integration defines our relationship. Collaboration defines our purpose. Now what does the word collaboration mean? It means the action of working with someone to produce or create something. Let me read that again. The action of working with someone to produce or create something. The other meaning of the word collaboration is the process of two or more people working together to complete a task or achieve a goal. Now both of that have good meanings and I trust you got a hold of that meaning. You can look up the dictionary and you can get that meaning. So the first message Jesus gave to his disciples after his resurrection was about integration. But his last message to his disciples was about collaboration. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, Jesus said, You heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of God. Let me say that again. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of God that empowers us to see people's life 
transformed by the gospel. So this is what Jesus commanded his disciples. This is what Jesus commanded you and me in Mark chapter 16, verse 19 to 20. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he had received up in, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. They were not working for the Lord. The Lord was working with them. For what? To reach the people, to reach nations. The Lord was working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. That's collaboration. Two people working for a common good. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. Fellow workers working together with God. You are God's field, you are God's building. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Apostle Paul literally play, appeals to the church saying, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, how will people get to know about Jesus? How will they get to know this wonderful salvation if nobody is talking about it, if nobody is sent out to preach? And so God is depending on us. He has given us a mandate. And that mandate is to reach the world for Christ. We have a global vision. We have a global responsibility. And that responsibility is to see that everyone gets to hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. It's God's way of fixing this broken world through you and through me. When God chose you, he wanted you to be a part of a solution to change things that has gone wrong in this world. The Bible is full of examples of how God collaborated with ordinary men and women, bringing forth the demonstrations of his power through them. In the Old Testament, God used Moses' staff to display his power. But now in the New Testament, God uses your hands, your mouth to demonstrate his power. Are you willing to collaborate with God? Are you willing to give your heart, your mind, your body so that he could use? It's no longer a staff that he needs. He needs your hands. He needs your mouth. He needs your body. So our Christian life is not only about experiencing the residing presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, but it is also for us to experience the manifest presence of God through the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The manifest presence of God is the demonstration of God's power and God's gifts through you and me. Both are important. 
there are like two sides of an aeroplane. No aeroplane can fly with one wing. They need both the wings. And in the same way, we need the residing presence of God that connects us with the source. Jesus making us one with God. And then we need the manifest presence of God that flows through us in order to touch people's lives. The question is, are you willing for God to use you? Are you in that place? Can we make this Resurrection Sunday meaningful by saying, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to give myself to you because you're alive and I embrace my mandate. In November 2019, I felt God stirring my heart to pray that what he did in the past, he will do it again. In my younger days, I would spend a lot of time reading biographies of how God used people to save, to heal, and to deliver others. And amazing stories, stories, stories that captivated my imagination. One such person is called T.L. Osborne, had a very powerful ministry, great demonstrations of power. Thousands came to the Lord through his ministry. And yet he was a simple, ordinary man. So one morning when I woke up, I went to have a shave. And I was reminded of T.L. Osborne because he also had a French beard. Now you saw me in, in the last few months having a French beard. And some commented saying I look nice. Some said shave it. And I was very amused at the comments I was getting. But not many people knew, no one knew in fact, that in my heart, it had nothing to do with the way I looked. It had to do with the stirring in my heart. Of what I read, and what I believed in my heart, and what God did then, He will do it again. And so every time I looked at myself in a mirror and saw that frenzy, I would pray, Lord, would you do it again? What you did through him, would you through, do through us? And this has been my prayer for this year. When we came to the U.S., the first week we spent with Dan and Sue, stayed in their home. That following Sunday, we attended church with them. And I was surprised that the topic of the, that the pastor spoke about was the same thing. And he ended the message with saying, if God did it then, he can do it again. I wish I was talking to you in person. And if I say, God did it then, can you make a shout in your home together and God can do it again? Let's try it. By faith, I believe that they're going to say it. If God did it then, then God can do it again. Shall we close our eyes and pray? Father, I just thank you, Lord, that even as we've heard your word, I ask you, Lord, that you will do a significant work in our lives, even as we relive these moments of your resurrection. 
I pray, Lord, like the words of the song, that we will embrace our holy calling. And Lord Jesus, we will give our lives to you in a way that you will mold us and you will use us, O oh Father God. I pray, Lord, that even as the harvest is ripe, that we will be catalyst in your kingdom, Lord, to reach the harvest for your glory. I pray that you will make each and every one of us so fruitful in our Christian life, Lord, that heaven will give thanks to the to and glory to your name, O oh Father God, for the salvation of many souls. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.